0: 2,000 years ago, a baby born in Bethlehem became the most sought-after child by the king of Judea. Sought-after or perhaps most wanted would be a more fitting term as the king whose name was Herod wanted this child killed mainly because prophets from long ago and wise men have anticipated that this baby will be the Messiah and will rise to power and rule. So fearful of losing his power, King Herod gave an order that all baby boys in Bethlehem two years old and under be killed. And thus, the painful fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy from centuries ago indeed took place. The Apostle Matthew in his gospel did not fail to quote the prophet The prophet, as he introduced his gospel and he said, A voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. From the time this baby was born, and a few decades later when he would reveal himself to the world, disdain and persecution would be part of his life. And the same still holds true to all his followers up to this day and time. The sermon bumper video you just saw is a second century depiction of how Christians were persecuted during the Roman Empire. They were fed to the lions. Fast forward today, here are the most recent statistics released by Open Doors, an organization that monitors Christian persecution all over the world. And this is for last year, 2020. Every day, Thirteen Christians worldwide, every day, are killed because of their faith. Twelve churches or Christian buildings are attacked. Twelve Christians are unjustly arrested or imprisoned, while another five are abducted. Over 340 million Christians live in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. Last year alone, 4,761 Christians have been killed for their faith. 4,488 churches and other Christian buildings have been attacked. 4,277 believers were detained without trial, arrested, and sentenced or imprisoned. So if you do the math... One out of eight Christians worldwide experience a high level of persecution. Today we will wrap up our series on the Beatitudes as I talked about the ninth and final one. You know, believers often love to hear about the Beatitudes and and the promises that go along with it because the Beatitudes provide a form of challenge and introspection for us Christians, allowing us to look into our lives and see where we are. Blessed are the poor in spirit, it says. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who are merciful and the pure in heart and also the peacemakers. And perhaps this final one, as Jesus concluded the list, seems to be the most challenging and difficult to grasp. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12, and it reads this way for our main passage. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, Persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Persecution doesn't sound like a good thing for us. Would you agree? The word itself carries with it connotations of suffering and, pain. and yet Jesus concludes the list of the Beatitudes with this final one that completes the entire package. And while the first eight Beatitudes talks about things internal to the believer's character, being poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who are peacemakers, those who are merciful, the final beatitude has to do with an external consequence of following Jesus. Blessed are you, it says there, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, how in the world could being persecuted be a blessing? In our culture today, one can immediately imagine or associate the emotional pain when people insult or ridicule us for our faith. However, church, this is nominal compared to where believers are put to death in some places here and their lives are constantly threatened by authoritarian regimes. And so we ask, how should we understand this teaching of persecution as a beatitude, a blessing? Well, let's dive in deeper and see a wider biblical perspective on this. There's three things I'd like to offer for us to take note of and understand so that we may have a good grasp on what Jesus meant when he included this Seemingly discouraging beatitude for his followers. First, Christian persecution has a foundational premise. Now, before we go to that biblical premise, I wanted to first clarify what kind of persecution Jesus was talking about because we might be. Uh, Led or misled into thinking that it pertains to any form of persecution we would be experiencing in our lives. And so going back to the passage, you will note that in verses 10 and 11, Jesus talks about being persecuted because of righteousness and because he said, on account of him. Because of me, he said. And so let me label that Christian persecution. To differentiate it from persecution that has to do with being confronted or opposed for any wrongdoing that we are that we made. Suffering the consequences of wrongdoing is not Christian persecution. And so the passage is explicitly clear that it is persecution because of righteousness and on account of Christ. Now that we have a clear working definition on what Christian persecution is about, let's look into what Jesus said about getting persecuted in the Gospel of John. John 15, 19 19 to 21 reads, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Now these verses clearly lay down for us a biblical principle or premise for why followers of Jesus Christ will be persecuted. And did you catch it? Every servant of the master will be treated the same way the master has been treated because a servant is no greater than his master. This is an inevitable predicament. Every servant and master will go through. People will treat the master's servants the way they treated the masters because the servant is always associated with the master's business and the master's reputation. We see this today in how Christians are treated by the unbelieving world. Whether you're a professional, for example, a child or a student who professes to be a Christ follower, you would experience forms of ridicule or contempt from peers that notice your ways or your conduct that is not of this world. More so, if I may add more so, when you start telling or sharing to them about your faith in Jesus Christ, have you experienced any level of Christian persecution in your life? If you haven't experienced whether mild or severe, then perhaps it begs the question: Does the world know you're a servant of Jesus Christ or Do your circle of non-believing friends, family, and associates know or are aware of what your faith is? I must add, do your actions, does your way of life or conduct correspond to the faith that you profess? If the world cannot distinguish the difference between how you live and how they live, don't expect persecution or Christian persecution. Those who are not ever persecuted might want to examine themselves and see if they're really in the faith. You see, the standard of righteousness that elicits persecution from the world is holy and righteous living. Holy, not holier than thou, and righteous living, which is a distinct characteristic of every Christ follower. You can expect persecution if you live godly, holy, and righteous life where the presence of Jesus is in your life so strongly that it affects your conduct, your conversation, and your character that is so noticeable by the world. And oftentimes, when this is felt and seen by the world, you will be criticized and persecuted. Jesus already knew that all his true followers would go through persecution. That's why he tells them to expect it to happen in the future. In our passage today, in verse 11, Matthew chapter 5, he says, blessed are you when people persecute, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He says, when, not if. Also in 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul wrote in the third chapter, verses 10 to 12, he says, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Verse 12, he says, in fact, everyone... Everyone, not some, who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Not maybe, but will be. Church, the world will always find holy and righteous living that is representative of the master whom we serve as an obnoxious thing. That's why we should not be surprised at any form of persecution when it happens to us. And so when that happens, keep in mind that the foundational premise behind all of this is your relationship to the master and how he was treated by the world. Second, Christian persecution has a future promised. As it is true for all the other Beatitudes, Christian persecution likewise has a future promise from Jesus Christ. In verse 10, it says the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are persecuted because of righteousness. In verse 12, it says rejoice and be glad because a great reward awaits those who are persecuted the same way the prophets of old were treated. To rejoice and be glad in persecution is obviously a paradox, It is hard to even imagine how we can experience exuberant joy when when people, when friends, when family, and even our associates that we know mock and ridicule us for being a Christ follower. Now, key to understanding the blessing behind Christian persecution is the promise of future rewards or eternal rewards for us who believe. And this is where the believer's faith plays a very significant role. The believer can only rejoice and be glad when he or she has faith in co- and confidence in the future that Jesus has promised. This produces the joy in contradiction to the painful and present circumstances brought about by persecution during the believer's lifetime here on earth or what we all know as our interim period, we can say we are paradoxically blessed when we get persecuted. As believers, we are confident in the truth that everything here is temporary and will amount to nothing compared to the glorious riches that will be revealed to us when we spend eternity with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, does that clarify how we are paradoxically blessed when persecuted? First Peter chapter 4, verse 14 says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. One of the early 2nd century apostolic fathers and Christian author by the name of Ignatius of Antioch exhibited this kind of joy in his writings while on his way to Rome to be executed. He was fed to the lions. Instead of being executed uh, in his home in Antioch, uh, Ignatius was escorted to Rome by a company of 10 Roman soldiers. And along the way, he wrote these words. And it says, May I enjoy the wild beasts that are prepared for me. I pray that they would be found eager to rush at me and I will also entice them to devour me speedily and not deal with me as some whom out of fear they have not touched. If they are unwilling to assail me, I will compel them to do so. Listen, he said, pardon me, I know what is to my benefit. Now I begin to be a disciple. Let no one of things visible or invisible prevent me from attaining to Jesus Christ. Let fire and the cross, let wild beasts, let tearings, breakings, and dislocation of bones, let cutting off of limbs, let shatterings of the whole body, and let all evil torments of the devil come upon me. Only let me attain to Jesus Christ. Here is a believer who understood The beatitude of persecution on account of Christ. With that mindset, with that joyful mindset, he was able to say, Bring it on, right? Mark chapter 10, 29 to 31 says, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much as this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last, first, Persecution has a glorious future promised in Christ. We can rejoice in that promise because we know that the one who made the promise is faithful. Third, Christian persecution has a fulfilling purpose. Why does God allow persecution for his saints? What is the purpose for such? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, 14. It says there, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to you or come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed." If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. The passage from the Apostle Peter clearly states one purpose for why we will experience persecution. And that is to test our faith. You know, there's so many ways that God could test our faith and one of them is through persecution. Persecution. Persecution reveals how much we are willing to give up and suffer for our allegiance to Christ. Likewise, it determines the extent of our willingness to obey what the master expects of us and what he commands us to do. And this form of opposition or challenge serves as a mirror by which we can see the level of our commitment or our loyalty to the king. Should I stop sharing my faith about Jesus to others for fear that I will be persecuted or mocked by people? You see, the issue that faces believers when it comes to holy lives and testifying about our faith has commonly been the fear of men over the fear of God. I believe the fear of persecution which comes from fear of men, is one of the reasons posing a great threat or hindrance to the advancement of the gospel in our time. When our PC or our cancel culture says that we, us Christians, are the religious bigots of our time, do we immediately fold up or fall away or hide our faith in Jesus Christ? You can ask ourselves that. You know, Jesus did not miss pointing out this issue when he told his disciples about the parable of the sower. Here, Jesus talks about the four types of soil as a metaphor for people's hearts where the seed of the gospel has been planted. And so his disciples, after asking Jesus what it meant, Jesus explains it to them in Matthew chapter 13. And as I read Jesus' explanation, I'd like for you to take note of the second soil, the rocky ground. Here's what he says. Verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, when Jesus gave this explanation of the parable, I believe he was already giving his disciples an idea of what to expect when he leaves them. So-called believers will welcome and receive the good news of the gospel with joy. But when the rubber meets the road, or when trouble and persecution comes, it will quickly fall away. The shallow and rocky reception of the gospel in one's heart will be revealed when the test of faith comes through trouble and persecution. It is my hope and prayer that all of us here will stand our ground and not fall away in any level of persecution when it comes. While it is true that persecution will test our faith, it will also further the cause of the gospel. That's the second purpose. Persecution has been a known catalyst for the furtherance of the gospel. And church history will attest to that. Acts chapter 11, 19 to 21 reads, Now those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord." Luke's account of what happened after Stephen got killed tells us that when the faithful disciples were scattered to different places because of persecution, the gospel spread all the more and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Isn't it amazing how God can use persecution to fulfill his plan and purpose? If you are on board Fully on board with God's plan and purpose for spreading the gospel, be aware that persecution will be an integral part of His story in your life. Don't be surprised when persecution comes before, because the forces of darkness will definitely oppose the advancement of the gospel. God in all his wisdom though and his sovereignty turned the tables against the enemy by using what they thought could put an end to the spread of the gospel. Persecution can bring growth by bringing attention to the gospel, but take note only if you're living godly lives. Let's move on to the practical side of things here about being persecuted. Let me ask, what does God's word tell us to do when persecuted for our faith on account of Jesus? What does the Bible say? I'd like to focus on a single response to persecution among a few that you will find in the Bible. And it's in Matthew chapter five, verses 43 to 45. It reads, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Does that sound hard to do? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Of course. I believe that apart from the Spirit of God and being in Christ, it would be a huge struggle. I do have a life testimony to share and I hope this will encourage you. During my college days, that was decades ago, I was still younger, I have an uncle who became a believer and he was so passionate about sharing his faith. And of course, he would come to me and share his faith. I wasn't a believer that time. And I would mock him, make fun of him every time he would visit me. I would call him names. I would say, Hallelujah, my uncle is here. You know, make fun of them. However, he always told me that he was praying for me so that I may soon know Christ. Despite all the mockery and the ridicule that I would, you know, give him. Four years later, the year was 1987. Cecil and I received Christ into our lives and we got baptized. Uncle Fernando, or Ding, upon learning, he visited me and cried tears of joy. Tears of joy. Imagine how glad he was. His persecutor now turned into a fellow believer. He's already with the Lord now. But the story does not end there because I became passionate too about sharing my newfound faith in Christ. And so it was my turn to be persecuted. My parents became our biggest persecutors. Our, because my wife and I calling us names like my children who are born against because we moved from religion to a biblical relationship with God through Jesus Christ. My dad would embarrass me, call me names at times and in many occasions. And then I started praying for them. You know what I told God? I I said, Lord, Lord, Please save my parents no matter what it takes. It took 18 long years until God answered that prayer. My dad had to go through a painful process of bankruptcy for him to realize that he needs Christ in his life. A drinking buddy of my dad who became a believer started visiting my dad and told him about Jesus Christ. And eventually, my dad and my mom surrendered their lives to Christ. And now, they go to a community church pastored by a missionary who is from College Station, Texas, there in the Philippines. You could just imagine how ecstatic I was when I witnessed their baptism. And so from persecutor, to persecuted, to praying, to praise. That's my story. Allow me to encourage you again as we close. Church, we live in a country where persecution could still be considered tolerable. I have no idea as to when persecution here in the USA will rise to unbearable levels. But here's one thing we can be sure of not trying to frighten you. Persecution is going to get worse and worse and will continue to do so until Jesus Christ returns. We may not be experiencing a high level of persecution right now, but we should expect it and receive it for what it is when it happens, a paradoxical blessing from God. Second century apologist and author by the name of Tertullian said, The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Many people up to now do not understand what it was all about, but there's something about Christianity that enabled it to survive all the opposition, the persecution, and the bloodshed that it has gone through. You kill one Christian we continue to multiply. When the Roman Empire thought that it has put an end to Christianity after Jesus died on the cross, what they did not realize was it was only the beginning of what was to become a kingdom movement that cannot be stopped, cannot be destroyed, cannot be broken, and cannot be silenced. Church, Never, ever underestimate the power of Jesus Christ that is at work in you when persecution comes. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, reminding us about truths that we go through as believers. Lord, today in a special way, I lift up to you our brethren in other parts of the world who are experiencing persecution. Father, I pray that you would just strengthen them and empower them and may that joy continue to remain in their hearts as they serve you and as they be loyal to you, our Master. Thank you, Lord. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I wonder how God's word spoke to you this morning and how you would like to respond. Earlier, a while ago in the video, Pastor Julio said, if you want to make a commitment either to be baptized, do let us know. Or if it's your first time to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and have accepted him into your life, do tell us so we can walk you through your first steps. And as we end the series on Beatitudes, I wonder which one you struggle with. Is it showing mercy? Is it being a peacekeeper? Is it being pure in heart? Or is it fear of persecution? Whatever it is, we can come to Him in prayer and ask God to help us overcome this struggle. God invites you to come to His throne of grace. As we sing today, they're offering plates that will be here in front. If you want to respond by putting your tithes and offerings there, you may do so. Also, uh, the pastors will be here. Pastor David will be here. I will be here in front. If you have something you want to pray for, we'd be glad to, play, to pray for you. And so come, respond. Respond to what God is telling you as we sing.